love riding my bike. I love running. I don't care what they think about it. I love it. At that point, when I knew I was going to win, chills just went up and down my entire body. I don't believe there are any good or bad foods. Food is food. I still feel so passionate about getting that record that I'm like, I'm just going to do it. As an athlete, I was like, what's my story or what's your story? What can you learn from it? And what can you teach people? Welcome to the Iron Women Podcast. I'm Alyssa Gadeski, and I'm here with my co-host, Haley Chura, who will be racing the Ironman World Championships in doing some quick math in my head. Eight weeks, eight weeks, Haley. And you guys, we've been getting really great feedback about Haley's Kona prep workout of the week. So I'm just going to go ahead and kick things off right here for our listeners who are tuning in to hear just that first right off the bat. Oh yes. Let's, we don't need to like have any suspense here. We'll get right into it. I'm, I'm excited that people are interested because I think that sometimes I find my training not that interesting and I'm just like, okay, just get it done, move on to the next thing. But it's a good reminder that some people do find that interesting. So thank you to everyone who has given us feedback. And, um, I, I did like crowdsource a little bit for what I would do as my workout of the week, Kona workout of the week, um, this week. And so this is the one I got the most, the most like plus, um, put it out there feedback from a few friends and it's a running workout. Actually, I know I'm doing two running workouts in a week in a row, but it's a little bit different than last week. Last week's was short, fast efforts. Um, this week's was a little bit more of a long run with some race pace effort and, uh, I can kind of put, I mean, this is a long run for me, which I get to give you a little background. Like I am not someone who runs like quite a lot of volume. Um, I've found that I get a lot of benefit to my run, even from long bike rides. And, um, I don't necessarily need to be doing 20 plus mile runs. I don't, I, I think before Coeur I don't think I, I even came close to 20 miles. So, um, so this is a run that was, I think it came out, it, it will, if you do it, Income around 13 miles, maybe a little bit over, depending on your cooldown. So I started with eight miles, which I ran on some local trails, just like steady aerobic running. And then I ended up at the track and I ran five by one mile or 1600 on the track. Um, and I was trying to hold 620 pace. And then I did that with 50 seconds of active recovery. So if I ran 620, I was, I was supposed to be leaving on the 710. So if we talk about this, like a swimming workout, we're holding 620, going on 710. And so <laughs> I was supposed to be kind of like jogging easy. Some It was maybe a little bit of walking <laughs> during that time, um, just trying to keep myself moving. And that was also a time to get fluids in, get some calories in, in those 50 seconds, and then get going again. And I think, um, you know, the thought process behind this is kind of setting this up almost like it would be in Kona where, or how I run a lot of Ironmans, um, is almost like mile repeats between. So I'm going pretty hard between aid stations and then slowing during aid stations, making sure I get in the fluids, calories, you know, heat management, pouring water on myself, slowing a little bit, but keep myself moving and then getting going again. So that is almost what this simulation is. So 710 is actually closer to my Ironman marathon pace. But to do that, I have to run 620s in between, um, if that makes sense. Oh, I love this one. So I like it for a couple of reasons because I think that is something that is overlooked a lot of times when we do prep for a race where it ends up being super hot and stuff, right? And it's like you have to 
if you haven't done something like this, like most likely you're trained to run 710 pace and then having to slow down, right? Like it's going to adjust your overall pace. So like, you know, I think people forget like how much you do, like how much time you can lose when you're at going through the aid stations every mile when we're like spoiled out on these Ironman courses and they happen every mile. Right. So, but it is a lot of time. Like it's 50 seconds, probably close. You know, I used, I like to like in my head, I think everyone's like kind of like, Oh, it's like 10 seconds, right. To just grab a few cups and get cool. But like, it's not cause you kind of ramp down going into it. You grab all your aid and to give yourself like not be flustered so that you feel like you can take the time to get it in you. Right. So, um, I like that strategy a lot. And then I, I always love runs where you kind of fatigue your legs a little bit and then do like the work at the end. Um, I think those are just like very satisfying, um, more, you know, it leaves you with that. Like, yeah, it was like 13 miles, which like may not be huge miles, but it's like, you got a lot of bang for your buck in that. Yes, exactly. And I, I like that too, actually like doing you know, aerobic runs that end with some, some kind of like speed at the end. Like even if it's just like a fart lick, um, you know, we're doing a minute hard, um, that kind of thing with some rest. I think that that can be really valuable. And, and then it is the same thing. Like you said, I, I mean, the reason I can hold 620 is because I slow down during the aid stations and take care of myself. And then, um, but it's, it is good to mentally prep getting yourself going again. So even if you do like a one run walk pattern, Um, I mean, I think it, it, if you can get yourself going again, you can hold a pretty fast pace. I mean, 710 is pretty fast. And so, and maybe you scale it. So maybe you're trying for, you know, 910. And so you're running, you know, 820s and you're trying to hold, you know, 910 with that. But I mean, in an Ironman, 910 is very fast. And so I think that, you know, if you're taking care of yourself and you show yourself that you can get yourself moving again, you practice that in training, you, you know, you get yourself running again. Uh, after you get out of that aid station, I think it can show that you can put together a really good marathon. So hopefully maybe some people can try that one out and give us some feedback if they, if they do try out any of these, but, um, you know, you don't have to do eight miles before if, if you don't have time for that, you know, I think you, you can still do it with a shorter warm up. Well, you could, yeah. And you could either do like a ladder of it, you know, like build into that kind of distance or do like four miles followed by eight hundreds and stuff like that, you know, like and, that. um, definitely plenty of ways to scale that. So don't be afraid to think outside the box, everyone, but thank you Haley for that, that Kona prep workout of the week again. I'm really enjoying this segment too. Yes, it is fun. I'm feeling like the pressure to like, oh, is this exciting enough? But you know what? Sometimes it's exciting. Sometimes it's not exciting. And that's that's the truth. It's reality. So um, yeah, thanks again to people who uh, have written and enjoying it. And um, Alyssa, like, are, are we how, how have things been going for you? I mean, do you have anything? Or are we just or do you? Uh, do we have any mailbag questions? Like what is what is next on our agenda? <laughs> Haley, well, we have some housekeeping to do, but I will tell you the most first, the most exciting part of my week recently. So I'm taking a little bit of a downtime. Uh, If people follow me on Instagram, you saw I uh, am just trying to take care of my health, my physical health and my mental health, I guess, but mostly my physical health, Um, digging into some of the issues that I feel like kind of surfaced through the summer here, Um, most recently going into Lake Placid. And um, I'll certainly talk about it on the podcast as I know more, but I just don't want to speculate on the podcast and kind of add to all of the speculation that's going on with my doctors here in New Hampshire as we're trying to figure out what's going on. So nothing like super serious guys um, at all. And I am, I, you know, in the beginning I was like, I'm going to have to retire from Ironman, but it's 
pretty much looking like I'm not going to have to retire from Iron Man. I don't, I'm, I've yet to decide if that's a good or a bad but um but yeah i'm just taking time to like really make sure i figure out what's going on before i i jump back into any sort of major training but in the meantime i'm um becoming a professional landscaper here at home and i had time this week then to do something very exciting which was stop by and see our feisty friend sarah true and her new addition to her family hawken i got to also say hello to her dog buddy again who i missed a little bit and um it was fun to go hold the baby say hi to sarah and ben and uh yeah just kind of check in on our that feisty family with the i think he's like a what did she say three two weeks old four weeks oh, old wow. i don't know he's How very i mean he's very new he was still very very tiny so <laughs> Um, forget so it's only been yeah. a couple of weeks i feel like yeah. i'm like time has no meaning to me right now but um because it was even when you say eight weeks to kona and someone said that to me at the pool last week and i was like oh okay <laughs> but um again i'm like in i you know how whatever iron man prep is it's like ugh, the best i can do is come up with one workout for the week <laughs> but um but let alone tell you what day of the week it is but that's great so if we were riding co-host sarah true um baby hawk and born a few weeks ago and Alyssa got to see him um i love that you guys are are close to each other and can actually like hang out sometimes that's pretty cool yeah so um i'm hoping to yeah see them again soon i'll keep you i'll also keep everyone posted on how hawken is doing growth wise i'll just give you my <laughs> Alyssa's growth chart of the week for <laughs> yeah. i don't know uh, all right. Anyway, moving on, you guys, we do have some housekeeping here. Uh, we wanted to let you know that uh, we all know the Outspoken uh, Summit, uh, the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit is happening again in November, virtual option, in-person option, all of that at OutspokenSummit.com. But we now also have the Outspoken Awards are back this year and the nominations are open. So you can head to OutspokenSummit.com. And check out the website for the nomination form. It's going to be open till September 30th. So if you have friends, coaches, race directors, um, teammates, athletes, all sorts of categories and things. And if you think they deserve an award, go ahead there. Haley, what are the, some of the, the categories? Do you remember? Uh, athlete of the year, coach of the year, race director. Uh, Alyssa, you were nominated last year, weren't you? I think you were. It was like, because it was, was virtual last year, but this year it'll oh, be yeah. virtual and in person. But I remember yeah. you you were on there waiting. I don't think you won, but I no, remember you won, I think. Were you, yeah. Was it athlete of the year? Was that what you were? I think so. Yeah. Because Adirondacks. The, yeah. It was, it was Pickens in a, in a quarantine <laughs> or COVID year, but uh, <laughs> you do something and it gets you up there, but uh, no, it was super fun. And uh, it's, it'll be fun that they have the yeah virtual and in-person options and stuff, but awards are always really fun. I think with the, the summit. So definitely I, start thinking about those. I love nominating people. I nominated someone in every single category last year and zero of my nominees won, <laughs> but you know, I still put it out there. So, and I'm they find out that they were nominated, right? Or no, they find out if they were a final. I don't know if you find out if you were nominated, but you definitely find out if you were finalist. but yeah. if they make it to the finalist round, it feels good to even know you're a finalist. Speaking yes. And I mean, so, I just, have been, yeah. I have so much admiration for so many women in this sport. So it is a good, you know, if you're like me and if you have people you want to just like throw it out there, I think it is anonymous. Like they don't know who nominates them. So, um, so you could just like sneak it in there or you can tell them if you feel like it, but, um, outspokensummit.com again, get those in before September 30th. 
And Haley, we have a mailbag this week. So this is super exciting. Um, Everyone, you can write into it. It's hot off the presses. It came in four hours ago. So we are very excited about this. You guys, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com, ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com. Send us your mailbag questions. This is a great one that just came in from Anne. And um, Anne is... I'm like, sorry, I'm, I've been, I think her Instagram ha- handle is Margs and Marathons, which I'm like obsessed with all of a sudden, like margaritas and marathons. So, mm, um, and <laughs> yeah, I know. So hopefully, and you didn't intend for this to be an anonymous question, but, um, go follow Anne on Instagram, but okay. So Anne saw a picture of me at like Placid and she's like, wait, Alyssa's racing in a sports bra. And she raced 70.3 St. George in May. It was really hot. She wanted to run in a sports bra, but she read the official rules and it seemed like that's not allowed. So she's going back to St. George for world championships. It's probably going to be hot because it's St. George. So she wants to make sure she knows this. Are the rules, do they vary by race to race? Are you allowed to run in a sports bra? What's the deal? And so, Anne, this is a great question. And I actually ran in the sports bra. I've done it before, but this was my first time recently doing it because I was trying to channel all of my be like Haley um, tidbits. And that is like Haley tidbit number one to run in the sports bra. Yes, I it is. It, you are allowed to. It is within the rules. So the zipper rule is like the controversial rule that everyone talks about. And I think it's it is uh, where you have to have like the zipper connected. And my understanding is it is for men to keep their nipples covered. So men can wear sports bras too. As long as their nipples are covered, um, it is okay. And so obviously, you know, sports bra, it, it works. Um, the only time I have ever gotten in trouble, which uh, this is coincidence, was that in Europe, there are different rules. So if you are racing in Europe, so that is North America, you're totally fine. I raced in like an arrow top on the bike. So longer sleeves on the bike. Um, and then I usually unzip that, take it off and run in, you know, in transition and then run out in just a sports bra. And um, it is much cooler. It's nice. And then um, in Europe, I once got a penalty because you are not only allowed to unzip the arrow top at this specific race I was at while in the change tent, which is completely open. <laughs> and um, so they have a lot of modesty rules in Europe, which is is surprising. Um, I that one caught me off guard as I served my penalty. I was like, this is very surprising. Like, um, because you can go anywhere and see lots of nipples. Um and so, but not in transition, apparently. <laughs> or you can, no, 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 I was just kidding. I did never, I still have a sports bra underneath. I was never naked, <laughs> but, um, again, so that's the only time in Europe. There are a lot of rules there. If you end up going to Europe, do read the rules. Um, there's like a lot of bib number rules. There's a lot of, a lot of, a lot of rules. So, but in the United States, the rules are pretty clear and you, you, you know, just don't draft, don't litter. I saw more naked men in transition than I ever have in a race when I was racing in Denmark. It was like, full on I felt like whatever yeah it is it's like a very weird juxtaposition because I've also seen people get in trouble for like silly things in transition in Europe you know and things like that but then I also turned around and there's like a dude just naked so it's hard to say what gets enforced and what doesn't but and My in St. George we feel yeah too much. <laughs> we feel confident and that you will be a-okay to race in that sports bra in St. George um so yeah Thanks. And yeah, have a margarita after St. George too. Hopefully that's not just for marathons. Yeah, no kidding. Um, can you find a margarita in St. George? I'm like, <laughs> that one actually might be as hard as the race. <laughs> oh yeah. You might have to bring, actually, this is a tidbit from Kelly 
O'Mara, the triathlete magazine editor in chief. And she, I went on this like rampage. It was probably a week ago now, but I was like, I, I was, had been texting with Kelly and she said, she's been drinking these, um, I think it's called cut water margaritas and a can they're like canned margaritas. And so she was like, they're really good. It's like my new like favorite thing. And so I was like, well, pff, I gotta, I gotta find it. So I sent Matt out from coming home from work. I sent him on a wild goose chase. I was like trying to go and pop into gas stations as I was going looking for them. Turns out they're not sold in the state of New Hampshire. So they're probably not sold in Utah, but maybe, and you can find a cut water canned margarita and there's hopefully you're driving to the race and you can celebrate the Mars. <laughs> when you're home, if you don't live in Utah or New Hampshire. <laughs> Um, that sounds good. Uh, Quick tip, Margarita tip. No one asked for it, but we give it. Um, okay, Alyssa. Um, thank you to Anne for writing in ironwomenpodcast at gmail.com if anyone else has questions. And um, good luck to Anne in St. George. And Alyssa, we have an interview. I don't, I, uh, if we can't yes. forget this, it's a big week. I, I mean, this is a big one. Uh, Paralympics. Yeah, this, is, this is really big. So we had originally wanted to talk to Jamie Whitmore, who's our guest today. Um, about Paralympics. She was going to give us some insight, all of that. And then surprise, as we were planning out when we were talking to her, Jamie got her invite to Tokyo. So this was super exciting. She's going to tell us all about how that all unfolded for her. She's also going to, so I should back up. Jamie is a two-time medalist at the 2016 Paralympics in um, the road race and the track pursuit. So gold in the road race, silver in the track pursuit in Rio in 2016. So she's going to talk about what to watch um, for all things Paralympics this year as we have them coming up in the next few days. She's also going to give us insight specifically into things like triathlon, which um, you guys will all be interested in watching. We're all pretty psyched to have that. Um, Jamie also had a super decorated Xterra career. So of course I had to ask her for some Xterra tips. So stay tuned for that. And Jamie's also a mom of twin boys and talks about being that and how she balances being the mom, being a mom and a pro athlete. So basically we cover everything in this interview. Um, and you will hear from Jamie up next. Haley, have you ever been jealous of the elite running or cycling groups who are able to get their blood work done super quickly and efficiently because they have a doctor on staff? Yes, I have been jealous. I have a great primary care physician, but I'll admit, sometimes I'm curious about certain blood markers in between my annual doctor visits. Me too, and that's why I'm excited Inside Tracker is here. Inside Tracker is on-demand blood testing. You pick your plan online, schedule your blood draw appointment locally, and get your results within a few days. My favorite part, they don't just give you data, they provide you with nutrition and lifestyle tips too. For a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 25% off of their entire store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash ironwomen and get started. The Iron Women podcast is grateful to Zelio Skincare for their continued support of the podcast. I'm always excited when I start pulling out the Zelio Sun Barrier more and more because that's a sure sign races are around the corner. And I'm going to be happier than ever using my Zelio's Race Relief Cold Therapy Muscle Gel because it means I actually got to do an in-person race this year. You can get your own Zelio Sun Barrier Race Relief Shower Products and Chamois Cream for 15% off with the code IRONWOMEN at teamzelios.com. Haley, it's summertime and racing and traveling is back. Hot temps, race recovery, and mountain adventures is the recipe of my summer, and I am always carrying Noon Instant in my water bottle, hydration pack, and post-race clothes bag. 
Alyssa, I'm with you, and I'm using Noon Instant as a way to keep reminding my taste buds that we have a little appointment on the big island in October that is sure to need all the replenishment of electrolytes, vitamins, and minerals that we can get. You can get your own Noon Instant, Noon Sport, or any of the Noon Hydration Podium Series products at NoonLife.com and use the code LiveFeisty for 30% off. That's NoonLife.com with code LiveFeisty, capital L and capital F. Hi, Jamie. Welcome to the Iron Women podcast. <laughs> Hi, thanks for having me. So we're talking to you in a very exciting time, and we're super grateful for you making a little bit of time to talk to us about all this, because you are actually getting ready to head to Tokyo quite soon, but this wasn't exactly plan A for you. I think you were an alternate for the USA Paralympic cycling team for 2021 here. So maybe we should just start kind of a few months ago at like the qualification period and kind of talk us through from there. Okay. So yes, in June, at the end of June, we had our Paralympic trials in Minneapolis and we had earned six slots, which, which because of COVID, we didn't earn our, I mean, we've, we've earned seven in the, in the past going into Rio, we had earned seven slots. And after our last world cup in Belgium due to COVID, we didn't get to have two world cups. And we had only earned six slots. And I knew <laughs> I knew I was going to be on the chopping block, like I might be the one not going. Because in paracycling, which is different from any other sport, either able-bodied or para, is that we have what's called ring fencing slots. So it means the IPC will come to each country and tell that country that they have to send somebody from that category. And then that counts as one of our slots. So it ends up hurting both our men and women's team. Um, so we didn't find out till maybe three days before that. Yeah. Like four women's slots had been ring fenced. One slot had already been earned in, in at track cycling from um, January 2020. So that left basically two open slots. And so no matter how you look at it, I was I was number three at the end of the day on the ranking list and I ended up becoming an alternate. And so when did you learn that you are no longer an alternate? Was that, that was just this last week, I think, judging from social media. Right. So the other weird thing about Para is we also have a bipartite. That that where the IPC gives five slots to any male or or that five slots to males or five slots to females and it can be any country. So there was another process after trials that we waited to see if I would get a bipartite, and it ended up being my other teammate who who is in a trike category. So that was like another letdown, and I feel like I have to kind of share that because. Ultimately, like I was really hoping the IPC would give the U.S. two bipartites like they did in Rio, because we ended up taking, I think, a total of like nine women at that time. So I figured, what the heck, maybe they'll do the same thing. Like we have such a solid, strong team. It's it's like us and GB, um, you know, but so I ended up not getting that. So it was like the second letdown. And then a few days after that, a word had gotten out that a teammate had been in a crash of um, seven cyclists and she was in the ICU for five days mm. and she ended up having a fractured skull. Mm. And so it was at that point that the team had said, okay, we have to name some alternates because a, we have an unprecedented thing called COVID. So if any athlete gets COVID between now and Japan and it goes on record, you know, you can't go. 
like Japan's not accepting you. So there was a need to have alternates for that reason. And then the second was being that she was injured and nobody knew the extent of her injuries, if she was going to be able to overcome it in time for Japan. So for a long time or for like a month, it was, you know, Jamie, you need to keep training like you can like you're going to go, but we don't know if you're going to go because she's earned her slot. And if she gets well in time, then she's going to go. So it was this huge mental struggle where so much of me just wanted to like, (laughs) I just wanted to like not worry about anything because it's really hard to train for something that you don't even know you're going to get. And, and so my coach, um, in my Instagram post, I put, you know, thank you to my coach for helping me to really push through some times where I very much struggled mentally. And it was just like, you know, it's, it's hard to motivate yourself to go out and do something really hard when in a couple of weeks it could be for nothing. <laughs> so it's, it's just weird. Everybody else knows they're going, everybody else knows exactly the races they're training for. And for me, it was like, well, I'm working really hard. And I might get to go or I might not. And then during our last camp, I was supposed to be notified. Nobody told me anything. And it turned out she hadn't been cleared to go to camp. So I still didn't know anything until the very last day of camp. She then posted that she was not cleared to go. And nothing again was official until come Saturday. And then that legitimately was like, you have two weeks, Jamie, you have two weeks to get ready to go. Let's do this. And by the way, you haven't been on the track since January, 2020. <laughs> oh my gosh. And so, okay. So you haven't been on the track since January, 2020. So we talked a little bit about this before we start recording, but we want to get into it a little bit more. So tell our audience, it sounds like you're, you're at this point slated for, you said five races, cool. um, four races. So two on the track and then the time trial on the road and then the road race. So the 3k pursuit on the track, the 500 is on track. Right. So, I mean, what, yeah. Like, how are you handling this? Like, is it just a panic training? Is it like, I mean, I don't even, I don't even know. Yeah. I feel like someone could tell me this weekend or like, I have to do a surprise, like Olympic distance race. That's like two hours away in a couple weeks. And I'd be like a little out of sorts. Right. So let alone, Oh, by the way, you're going to the Olympics and these events you haven't been ready for. So talk a little bit about that. (laughs) I would say on the road, I mean, on the road, I really have been training. My numbers are good. Nothing is different. And, and, and my focus going into this Paralympics, you know, had I made it in the first place really was going to be the rip. Like that's my best shot. And so, (laughs) so as for the track, like, part of me is pretty freaked out because it it is an event. The 3k pursuit is all about pacing. It's knowing what gears you need to run because you have no brakes and you get one, you get one gear and, and it's about, you know, knowing what your lap splits are and, and, and that kind of stuff. It's the gate start. I mean, you definitely, you, you are basically, your bike is put into a gate, you get a countdown and then it opens and you have to time it right to go. So I haven't had any of that in a year and a half. So do those things a little bit kind of start to stress me out when I think about it? Absolutely. Because I don't, I don't want to show up to like one of the most important races of my life and then fall (laughs) on the start or like totally just not do the best that I could have. But at the same time, I've been doing this for a really long time. I was a professional mountain biker. I was a professional Xterra athlete. Um, You know, I have been training. I know I'm going to have a week to spend on that track before I start. While I might not get a gate start, I 
I'm the type that I can pay attention to what others are doing before me. And then I can kind of time it. And, and heck, you know, I've got my excuses to if I fall over in the middle of the track on TV, everybody will know <laughs> it was because I hadn't trained for it. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think the positive, if I'm looking at positives, it's that I haven't stressed about this. I haven't worried about the track. I haven't put time into that. I've done everything that I can do to control. And for me, the track is just going to be fun. Like, I'm going to try to have a PR in that race. Um, and then, you know, just have the time of my life as much as I can being on lockdown in Tokyo. <laughs> and you have Paralympic experience. You're the defending gold medalist in the road race and silver medalist in the pursuit. Does that help you mentally just knowing that you have that experience? So even though you're a little bit rushed in this prep, uh, it's not your first rodeo. Right. I think when it comes to execution of a race, I'm not worried about any of that. And I feel like in most ways, I am an underdog. So the pressure's off because as far as all my competitors knew, I was never going to Tokyo. So they're probably thinking, you know, Jamie sat around, <laughs> you know, just rode for fun. And then I get to go in and there's just no pressure. The pressure is on everybody else to do well because they've been focused and they've been training. And I get to come in and, and just be like, let's do this. <laughs> Well, I think you have a great mindset going into these events and we're super excited to get to watch that. We have some other questions about some of the other Paralympic events for you too, especially since you have a background in triathlon. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the paratriathlon in Tokyo. So these games will be just the second Paralympics featuring paratriathlon. And in 2016, the U.S. trio of Alyssa Seeley, Haley Dans, and Melissa Stockwell swept the podium in the PTS2 category. So do you think we might see another Team USA sweep in Tokyo? You know, it's a hard call because Melissa did injure herself a little while ago, crashing into a tree. And so she was off the bike for two weeks and then is slowly kind of making her way back. And um, I know prior to that happening, she was seated in fourth place in the world. So for her, I think it's definitely um, going to be harder than she probably had anticipated originally when she made the team. But I also know like her mindset and um, her being just this tough warrior of a woman that she's, she's going to show up and give everything that she has. So it's a matter of like, are the other people going to kind of take advantage of the fact that, you know, Hey, she might be a little bit injured. So this is our shot to kind of get in. And as for Haley and Alyssa, um, I mean, they've just been constantly pushing each other and just absolutely dominating. And I see them as being very tough to beat. I, they're going to go one, two, and I can't tell you who it's, who's going to win over the other. I know Haley is definitely like, I, I want, I want my turn <laughs> to shine in that top spot in Tokyo. So I think she's going to be a force to be reckoned with. I'll admit, I've really enjoyed seeing Alyssa on the uh, migraine medication commercials <laughs> during, you know, during, like watching NBC recently. I'm like, I know her, <laughs> but I do know that like at the bottom of those commercials, they like have the small print where it's like athletes do not necessarily use this medication, but <laughs> still fairly cool to see them on there. But uh, we mentioned you are the defending gold medalist and another defending gold medalist in Paratri, Grace Norman. We talked to her. Uh, a few months ago, she um, she had just finished third in a race in Leeds behind the Brits, Lauren Sedman and Claire Cashmore. But it did sound like when we talked to her that she was working hard to time her peak 
for Tokyo. So you kind of mentioned what it's like to be a defending gold medalist, but also an underdog. So do you think Grace might be feeling the same as, as she's heading into Tokyo? Can you tell us a little bit about what it feels like to be a defending gold medalist and an underdog? And if that's a plus, maybe. I think it's weird. The the Olympics and Paralympics are different because it's every four years versus like a world championships. I actually think there's it's a different kind of pressure to go into a world championship being the defending world champion because it's just year after year after year, whereas um, a lot happens in four years. So people don't look, I think, as athletes. We don't look at other athletes and go, oh, you won gold, so you're the one to beat. We're looking at whoever the current world champion is, and it's like, that's who, you know, we're here to beat. Um, I think the Olympics and Paralympics is also a unique environment to where it is a place where an underdog, an unknown, somebody that nobody thought was going to win. And I mean, look at back. I think it was like 1964 when Billy Mills won the 10K. Nobody, not even our own country, expected him to win. And he absolutely just dominated the race. So it's one of those where I believe Grace, Grace has a very good mindset. And I think she is controlling everything she can to, like you said, peak at this race. And then for her, it's going to come down to just like, executing it and having faith in, in the overall plan. She's done what she can do and she's going to put herself into a mental bubble and not let any distractions happen. I believe she can do it, but you know, everyone's always chasing you. So if her mindset's good, I, I think she could win for sure. And Jamie, you mentioned how there are various categories in paracycling. The Paratri in Tokyo also has categories and this year there's going to be two new categories the PTWC category for athletes using wheelchairs and the PTCVI category for visually impaired athletes. Amy Dixon and Elizabeth Baker are two Americans racing in the visually impaired category, and they're actually in their late 40s. So when you won gold, at you were age 40. So do you think there's an advantage to making your Paralympic debut when you're already a veteran in the sport? <laughs> um, <laughs> that's a hard call because I got to tell you, between 40 and I'm now 45, like you can't fight aging. Like you just like, it is so hard to continually keep your, um, you know, your fast twitch muscles going. And these sports are so short. Like if we were doing Ironman, I would be like, dude, put all your money on anyone 40 plus because it's just where it's at. But these like hour long races or shorter, it's like, oh my gosh, it just kicks your butt. But um, I think <laughs> I think experience and wisdom are always going to carry a lot farther. Um, but but it's, I'd be lying if I said it wasn't harder. <laughs> I don't recover as quickly after injury. I know Amy's been battling, you know, a lot of stuff going on. So that's that it's going to be hard to overcome that when you're competing against, you know, a late late person in their late 20s or early 30s. So it's just that's the reality of it. <laughs> But you have that wisdom and that mental mindset. And, you know, well, I like what you say about Ironman, though. But um, moving on to the the PTWC category, the U.S.'s Kendall Gretsch has been undefeated in 2021, but she'll likely face competition from Australian Lauren Parker. And Gretsch won gold in both para cross-country skiing and para-biathlon at the 2018 Winter Paralympic Games in Pyeongchang. So you have experience in other sports. I mean, I guess mountain biking to track cycling isn't quite 
I mean, it's a jump. It's a little bit different. Like you said, no breaks. Um, do you think that, you know, having that experience in another sport and winter Paralympic experience will help her win another gold? Absolutely. I think any Olympic Paralympic experience is huge because it's like one of the biggest settings. There's so much pressure. So the more that you know how to control your bubble, it's going to always give you the advantage over the young person that, you know, doesn't necessarily know how to put themselves in that bubble. That's going to be huge. Um, I absolutely experience the, the, the hard part is that we have spent a year and, and you can see this in the Olympics. We've spent a year where we have not competed against Against each other. And some countries were able to take full advantage of that, the COVID time to keep training. They were allowed to do a lot of things. Whereas certain states in America, it didn't like California, we were completely locked down. So you had no access to the track. You had no access to pools. So I think I'd be lying if I said that stuff isn't isn't going to affect us because it, it will. So there were there's a lot of countries like, oh, my goodness, Germany team pursuit, women's team. Just where did they come from? And they just straight dominated because I think they were able to do stuff that a lot of other countries weren't able to do. So that's where the tricky part is, especially with countries like Australia and Germany, where um they have access to the facilities that we didn't have access to like pools and velodromes that I think that's why we're seeing a lot of people that we didn't see say in 2019 doing well, all of a sudden showing up to Tokyo and just killing it. So that'll, that'll be huge. And this year, NBC committed to airing a record 1,200 hours of Paralympic coverage over their TV and streaming platforms, including the first ever primetime broadcast. So do you expect the increased media coverage to change your experience at all? I don't, I don't think it's going to change my experience. I think it's going to change spectators' experience. I think it's going to be amazing for, say, my kids' school to be able to tune in and finally maybe see me race because they also told us back in Rio they'd give us some more airtime and it was still really hard to find my races. Um, but I'm, I'm excited that in some way, shape or form that everybody across the world is going to be able to see more um, than in the past. And I think primarily it's because there are no spectators. But the really cool thing I will kind of add is that, so I used to race a lot in Japan for Xterra. I also raced on the tiny island of Saipan and in Hawaii. And so I've made a lot of Japanese friends. And, and what's cool for me is they've already been contacting me like, we have tickets to come see you race. <laughs> so while... <laughs> There will be no American spectators there. You know, I've got a handful of my Japanese friends that I used to race against 15 years ago that are going to be in the stands. One of my favorite Ironman and Xterra commentators, Whit Raymond, is, is covering Paralympic cycling and triathlon. And he was doing the Olympics as well. So he's going to be there. And so I think, I mean, like that for me is, is pretty special in itself. Oh my gosh, that just gave me goosebumps hearing that. It like brought tears to my eyes because it's like, it's just, yeah, you think about traveling and racing and all the people and the great relationships you have to, have, so to see that full come full circle for you, especially in this year when you don't have other spectators is so cool. I'm excited. <laughs> Jamie, aside from paracycling and paratriathlon events, which are obviously on my radar, must watch TV, we, um, are there any other Paralympic events in Tokyo that you are most excited about? Uh, that we should be watching as well. Oh yeah. Wheelchair rugby 
you have to watch. Like it is so exciting and super fast paced and just like, I love it. That's definitely one. Goal ball is another one that is such an interesting sport because it's the one where if you're there, it's the only sport that you have to be quiet or you'll get kicked out <laughs> because, mm. because it's, it's three visually impaired athletes on each team. And then they've got a ball that's like the size of a volleyball. And then it has like a bell in there and they're throwing it and they're trying to make it past the other three athletes. So you have to listen for the sound of it because they're all, they all wear like blindfolds. So it's, it's like intense in a different way. And I've actually played it and it is wicked hard, but so fun. Um, so those two, I would definitely say, yeah, wheelchair basketball is always amazing to watch as well, because you've got people maneuvering wheelchairs and then a basketball, and then you're shooting at the same height that, you know, people who are standing shoot the basketball. So that's like incredibly, incredibly impressive. Same with, I mean, things like swimming where you're watching the visually impaired athletes where, you know, they're having to count their strokes and know where to do a flip turn at the end. Um, while they're racing and things like that just really open your eyes to how people can adapt. It's amazing. So those are probably my top sports besides cycling and triathlon. And for our listeners, we will keep listening to our, the end of the podcast because Haley and I will go in and, and find out when some of these are airing and we'll do our best to kind of update you on when to be watching for those in the next couple of weeks. But um, Jamie, you were in the first round of recipients of the Power of She Fund childcare grants that came out. So this was a joint initiative with Allison Felix and Athleta and the Women's Sports Foundation where they have committed $200,000 to help fund childcare costs for professional athlete moms who are traveling to competitions. So each grant recipient received $10,000 from the fund to cover childcare costs so they can compete without any other, any barriers, or at least childcare barriers, right? So um, can you tell us a little bit about what this grant has meant for you? Oh my gosh, this, this was like the most amazing thing I think could happen. I mean, first of all, being a single mom is like a hundred times harder than like being a mom's heart, but then being a single mom, because you just, you just don't have that support at home that, you know, other moms might have. And I'm talking like straight up financially. So trying to always balance everything. My kids were in distance learning the, the whole like fifth grade year. So when I went to go race in Alabama, I had to take them with me. And I kept thinking like, oh my gosh, how, how can I afford this when I'm not even making money? Because speaking engagements have ceased to exist. So I think it was like about a month, a month and a half after that trip, I had, I had learned of the grant. They had sent me the email and I applied for it and then received it. And then I, I was like, this is amazing. I was able to go to nationals with the kids as well. Like I just keep taking them in tow and, and that's, that's what it's there for. Like, and then the incredible thing is that they get to finally experience this kind of stuff. It's just been a really great opportunity for all of us to be together. They've been able to see all my teammates again at the races. And, and so that's always kind of important for me. And now, you know, even continuing on after this, I want to give, I want to give Nordic <laughs> <laughs> a try like sit skiing and and biathlon and stuff and there's like all these other things and and I'm going to be able to afford those opportunities to check that out over the next year by like bringing my kids along so that I can try these other other sports and see if I'm any good at them so that I mean it's just been huge I, I don't have to worry about if I need to leave my kids 
in school, um, the after school program, because I didn't finish my workout in time. Like there's been times where I've flatted and I'm having to Uber back to school to make sure I pick up my kids in time. So, I mean, it's just like all these little things that, I mean, for the next year, I don't have to worry about. And it's, it was just an amazing thing that I, I was so blessed to receive. I love this scoop that we might be seeing you in uh, some winter events in in the near future. Um, you mentioned you have twin boys, fifth graders. They you post you know pretty frequent updates on your Instagram, and a lot of them involve them cycling. So, I, I mean, I think there was even one about them cycling fifty miles in jeans. So we're curious about you know was this a conscious parenting move to get them into cycling? Was it just from watching you? Do you have tips for parents who want their children to be active? I think if you are active and you are taking your kids along and doing these fun things with you, they just naturally gravitate towards that. Like my one son, Christian was like, wanted nothing to do with being on the road bike. So when Ryder last year had decided that he wanted to raise $3,000 for challenged athletes foundation and did it all in jeans and rode 50 miles, you know, my other son, Christian was like, yeah, I don't want to do that. So the two of us would go ride. And after about a month and a half, Christian, all of a sudden one day was like, I want to come with you guys. So then he started coming. And then um, we ended up getting through that whole thing. And he raised over $3,000. I mean, it was amazing. My fiance's daughter, Vivian, because he has a daughter that is 22 days younger than my son. So it's like we have triplets now. But she was sitting in a car with me one day and said, Jamie, um, will you do that same thing next year? Like if I wanted to ride 50 miles, can I do that? And I was like, heck yeah. So she's been training all summer. And for her, like she, her goal is I want to ride 50 miles. And then Ryder was like, well, I want to do 75 now. So the two of them are training and Christian will go and, and ride with Vivian. And then Ryder just kind of does his own thing. But um, the goal is it, it was, I was going to be posting all about this until like Tokyo came up. So now it'll kind of mix in there. But in September, we're going to really be hitting the miles big time for the ride in October. Our two kids will ride 50 and 75 the week before I leave for the MDC ride, which is along the coast. And then I'll ride whatever it is, like 625 miles in seven days. And our goal is to raise $5,000 for Challenged Athletes Foundation. So, yeah, it's just it's just one of those where Christian loves mountain biking now. Ryder loves the road. Vivian's starting to ride more. And then my fiance has another son who's like nine. And I think once he gets a little bit bigger and can get a bigger sized bike, he's going to start liking that more as well. But they, they, we just, we just go out and we ride, we stand up paddleboard. I mean, we just love being outdoors. (laughs) I love it. And we will link to your Instagram so people can follow along and support you as you, you take on that challenge (laughs) with the family. I love it. Um, and Jamie, during your career as a professional triathlete, you touched on this a little bit, but you actually earned 37 Xterra titles. So for our listeners listening, this is like a massive Xterra career, including being the 20, 2004 Xterra world champion. And so I'm fully on this bandwagon now of get people onto mountain bikes because I did that during the pandemic year and I love it. So what do you think it was about Xterra that was so fitting to your strengths? Oh, I think because so much more skill is involved versus just being a powerhouse. When you're racing on the road, it's just like you put your head down and whoever has the best engine wins 
But in Xterra and in mountain biking, skill is 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 a huge role on top of having a good engine. And it's the same with trail running. Trail running is far different than regular running. And so I always like that combination of like having the engine, having the lungs, but also having the mindset and the skill to get through really technical sections. And I think it was just that challenge. Like I have so many scars from the years of like crashing and whatever. And, but yet it's like every one of those is such a really cool story. I mean, Xterra is still my passion. Like I, I swear I'm trying to figure out how to get like one of those push chairs to go off road because I can't, with my disability, I can't run anymore, but I can still cycle and I can still swim. And so I'm just like, how can I do Xterra again, aside from using the forearm crutches, which I've used before, but now maybe if I do Nordic, I'll be super strong upper body and can just like fly with the forearm crutches. I don't know. But I, I mean, Xterra is so amazing. Mountain biking is so fun and you don't have to deal with cars. I mean, I'll take a rock any day over like cars because cars like kill you. <laughs> Rocks just hurt you. So, and you can always get off and walk a section. But the other really cool thing is I always take my son Christian out to mountain bike because Ryder doesn't really like mountain biking, but we'll go and I'll kind of like go through this little bit technical section or, or, or super big technical section. And I kind of turn around and I don't say anything because I want Christian to experience it himself. And all of you just come like ripping through and I'm like, dang, you're only 11. I remember learning to mountain bike at like in my twenties. And I would be like terrified of these rock guards and he'll just come like, okay, mom, let's go. (laughs) I do that. I go on Instagram and I literally watch like these videos of young people mountain biking because I'm like, then I think I'm like, if they can do it, just like fly right over it. Right. There must be something to that, that theory. Right. So it does help to watch their fearlessness. Absolutely. And Jamie, you mentioned we're talking to you about two weeks before the opening ceremonies for those Paralympic Games. And can you kind of walk us through like your next, when do you leave? What do you have to do any COVID precautions? What is your next two weeks of life like? And and then we'll let you go because obviously I think it's going to be pretty busy. (laughs) Yeah, it's crazy. So I had come out of a bubble when I didn't think I was going to Tokyo and I was just like, no masks, I don't care. And then when they notified me, I was like, oh, crud put the mask back on, everybody stay away from me, don't touch me, keep your six feet. Like I went to church and my pastor even said, everybody, you cannot go near Jamie, keep six feet. And so people are like, good luck from six feet away. But it, it is that reality of if, if it's the one thing that's going to keep me out right now. So it is being extra cautious. But at the same time, like, I'm trying not to like tell my kids, no, you can't keep playing soccer or whatever. So I just tell them, don't go near anyone. Stay away from everyone. (laughs) Hold your breath when you walk by people. Um, I leave August 16th. We have to take two COVID tests before we leave. Um, I've heard it is a nightmare once we land on the other side um, in Narita, which is one of my favorite airports ever because they have amazing food and amazing like shopping there. But I hear it's all locked down, but you have to uh, get um, a COVID test before you can even leave the airport. So we will all be sitting at the airport until we get our, our results. Then we get on a bus and we drive somewhere. We have to stay the night. Or maybe it's like, then we get, we have to stay the night at a place before we get the results. Then we're able to move on. And then every day is a saliva test. 
Um, my coach was there for one of his athletes from Australia for the road portion of the Olympics. And he just said, yeah, it's, it's really different. You, you don't get to go anywhere. You don't get to sightsee. There's no getting in a taxi. Um, you're literally in your room and then on the course training and then back in your room. You can't even eat out anywhere. You have to take your food back to your room like every day. So make sure you bring a lot of stuff to occupy yourself in a room. So he's like, just think of it like business. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking time out of, you know, this busy time to chat with us. We will, like I said, have all of your races like in the spreadsheet ready to go. So we can tell our listeners when to be watching some of those other races you mentioned that we're looking forward to as well. Um, but Jamie, best of luck. Um, yeah, I'm super excited to watch you and super excited. Thank you so much for sharing your story. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. Hey everyone, this is Dr. Lisa Ringerfield, co-founder of the Outspoken Women in Triathlon Summit. We are really excited to announce that the Outspoken Summit will be returning in 2021. This year has created an opportunity for triathletes to get back in the blocks and start to rebuild triathlon to create a more inclusive and welcoming space for all. Join us from the 12th to the 14th of November as we host a virtual summit to connect with like-minded women, center women's equity in the sport, hear from industry leaders, and develop leadership skills related to our roles in triathlon. The summit will provide a rich forum to develop strong voices, inspire others, and advocate for change in the sport we love. For more information and to sign up for the event, go to outspokensummit.com. We hope to see you there. The Iron Women Podcast wants to give a huge shout out to Orca Sportswear for their continued support in 2021. As someone who isn't a natural born swimmer, my choices for swim gear are super important. Orca has me ready to battle for every second I need in the water with the open water, triathlon, and swim run wetsuits. They also have safety buoys, goggles, cold water caps, and booties. You name it, they have it. The code IRONWOMEN15 will get you 15% off, so head to orca.com today and let's get ready to swim in 2021. Okay, Alyssa, I did a little Googling and I think I have things somewhat figured out as far as the Paralympic streaming schedule. Um, the opening ceremonies are Tuesday, August 24th. So they will be happening in the evening in Tokyo. So in the morning in the United States, I think they will actually be shown live on NBC. So everyone should tune in for that. Um, the swimming starts Wednesday, the 25th. So that would be like Tuesday evening in the U.S., and it goes through September 1st. And then track cycling is, is the 25th through the 29th. Road cycling is August 31st through September 3rd. Uh, Jamie mentioned goal ball. And that is Wednesday 25th through September 23rd. That goes like a long time because I think it's almost played out like soccer where like, you know, there's like a tournament style. So the finals are happening on September 3rd. Um, paratrathlon, women's paratrathlon. So that is... Um, actually like next Friday. So a week from now in the U S on at three 30 mountain time, five 30 Eastern time. I think it'll be on the Olympic channel streaming live. You can watch the women's PTS two category, which is Alyssa Seeley, Haley dance, Melissa Stockwell racing, as well as the vision impaired women and 
Uh, we mentioned that Amy Dixon, Elizabeth Baker, those women in their 40s. So that's Friday night, Friday afternoon, Friday evening, and then uh, which is Saturday morning in Tokyo. And then um, the next day, so your Saturday night, 3.30 Mountain Time again, 5.30 Eastern Time, is the uh, women's wheelchair uh, Kendall Gretsch going for that hopeful, you know, it's a, it's the debut of that race. So hopefully that'll be good as well as PTS five, which is Grace Norman defending her, her gold medal. And I think Kelly Elmlinger is another, um, American athlete, uh, that will be racing in that in there. So again, lots of, uh, exciting, exciting racing, but I love it when it's the Friday, Saturday night, because like that is, and also I, I say Saturday, Friday, Saturday night as 3.30 PM, but you know, that's about the time when I'm like winding down. And what I want is like to, uh, you know, sit and eat my 3.30 PM dinner and watch, um, watch some racing in Tokyo. And so I, this like, thank you paratriathletes for making, um, everything very convenient for me. Yeah. And thank you, Haley, for organizing all of that for us so that we now have our grid set up of like what to be watching and when, and you guys, if you have, um, some training coming up this weekend and you're looking for some podcasts to listen to go, we've emailed or we've emailed, we have emailed with a lot of these women, but we've interviewed <laughs> a lot of these women, Alyssa, Haley, Melissa, Grace. I was like trying to, you know, make notes as we were going. So Alyssa Seeley, Haley Dans, Melissa Stockwell, Grace Norman, go check out those episodes and um, maybe we will even link to them in the show notes. If I remember to tell Lindsay Glassford that, that we are mentioning this now um, and check out those episodes. So then you have some investment with these women too, and we can all cheer them hopefully to some medals. Yeah. And Alyssa, I hope you have a great weekend and get lots of Ramona time and, um, you know, and, and I will uh, look forward to chatting with you next week. Thanks, Haley. Talk to you next week. You have been listening to the Iron Women podcast hosted by Haley Chura and Alyssa Gadeski. Iron Women is a production of Live Feisty Media and is edited by Lindsay Glassford. Thank you to our sponsors, Noon Hydration, Prevenix, Zelio Skincare, Form Swim Goggles, and Orca Sportswear. You can find all websites and discount codes in our show notes at ironwomenpodcast.com.